welcome to the Spin Cycle podcast, the, the podcast that talks to the personalities, the groups and the brands that make London and the UK an incredible place to be a cyclist. Today we've got two uh, special guests. We've got uh, John and Ben from Trash Mile. John, Ben, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Thank you. Thanks for having us. Nice to be here. <laughs> um, so typically we break the podcast into three sections. The, kind of the first one is getting to know you, getting to know your thing, and then we'll jump to the Q&A for section three. Uh, John, maybe we'll start with you. Why don't you give us a bit of background and, and the listeners guess who you are as a person and maybe how you got into cycling? Yeah, hi, uh, I'm John. Um, I'm a, an architect uh, and sort of got into cycling through just sort of messing around on bikes from a very, very young age. Uh, I remember one of my first sort of memories is my dad doing a no-handed track stand on his mountain bike with the bars turned 90 degrees uh, sort of moving the wheel left and right with his feet and thinking that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Uh, so, you know, then obviously we had to go to the bike shop, pick me out a bike that was the oh, same yeah. color as his. So, you know, cause if my bike was the same color, that meant I could do a no handed track stand. <laughs> um, obviously not exactly how it works. Uh, and then since then it's just been whatever's the most convenient bike for wherever I'm living and whatever I'm doing. So it's been, mountain bikes sort of you know dirt jumping and uh you know, going to the wreck and building dirt jumps every day after school uh, sort mm-hmm. of 13 to 16 brief hiatus getting into cars but i'll let ben talk about cars more um <laughs> and then a bit of trials biking and then bmxing a sort of very uh ill-fated attempt at bmxing which didn't go very well uh, i just ended up hurting myself a lot falling off landing on my face that sort of thing wasn't very good at bmxing was and that then, the, was that like bmx uh racing like you have in the olympics or was it more bmx no, it was, where it's like up it was, and down half pipes it was street because i was cool and i wanted to <laughs> wear, my, wear my baggy jeans that got caught in the chain and you know yeah yeah, yeah. van zeros with uh sort of tire burn marks on the soles because i didn't have brakes on it that sort of thing um pretending to do grinds on rails but actually just falling off uh and then yeah road biking started because i moved to london missed having a bike so got a sort of 400 quid charge single speed uh, everyone's gateway drug into road bikes uh and then yeah it kind of just spiraled from there and here we are with uh, all the bikes in the office and a very unhappy wife yeah <laughs> <laughs> And what about uh, the no-handed track stand? Did did you ever live up to expectations on that? I can do a one-handed track stand on a track bike, sitting down, but no-handed track stands, no, nope, can't do it. So can, no, I failed you, on that one. Can your dad still do it? Good question. Probably not. I think his knees and his back have uh, put pay to that, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> And Ben, how about yourself? Uh, my story is very similar to John's. Uh, I think a lot of people's kind of it starts that way, you know, like dad or or some sort or like a bigger brother or something. Um, my dad bought my mum bought my mum a mountain bike. It was a Diamondback um, because he wanted to get into cycling, but didn't want to buy himself a diamond back because he knew he'd want something better so bought my mum a bike um in size 56 and, yeah exactly yeah yeah 
it was it was amazing. Black neon everything. Like this was kind of ninety I reckon it was probably early nineties. Might have even been ninety three or something like that. Um <clears throat> bought him a bike and I remember me and my little brother chasing him on our little bikes and it was like a skid compositions, things like this. Like my dad put in massive skids on this diamondback. <laughs> um and he we I, I grew up in Swindon. Um so we had quite a lot of like trails and um the ridgeway, so a lot of off road opportunities. He went out and did yeah. things that that sort of stuff. Um and I followed that basically. Um so when I was ten, my they they bought me my first proper mountain bike. Um my mum used to drive me up to the ridgeway to meet my dad halfway through his ride. I'd do about I don't know, like ten miles with him. Um trying to chase him up hills, chewing the stem. I still remember the sticker on the stem, uh the chromo sticker I had that I used to read over and over again, hating everything about what I was doing at the time, <laughs> trying to chase my dad up this hill. Um, and that's where it started really. And then that bike, I lived with that bike for till I was about 16. Um, and it went from being a mountain bike that fit me, um, upgraded like ra- uh, RockShock GD race forks. Then it kind of was too small for me. So it turned into a trials bike and I did a lot of trials like, Martin Ashton, Martin Hayes, sort of wannabe. Mm. Um, And I still have that bike. It's still in the shed uh, in various different areas of the shed, (laughs) all sorts of pieces. (laughs) Um, But I got massively, once that bike kind of, once I kind of moved away from trials, I got massively into skateboarding. I skateboarded until I was about 22 and then um, started fixed gear riding. and then there was a, a situation on Old Street Roundabout where somebody had an accident with a pedestrian and the police really cut, cut or like, um, like clamped down on, on brakeless bikes. And I was just like, do you know what? This is, this is daft now. Like, you know, there's people yeah. getting stuck and not having brakes. So I was commuting on this low pro um, old Greek track bike uh that was supposed to be in there's a big story about this bike but supposed to be in the olympics never made it so it was used as a greek um olympic team like training bike so i was commuting on this thing which was ridiculous decided it was stupid um so bought a road bike bought an uh orbea orca um from a well-known uh high street cycling company Yep. And that was it. And then I met these guys. I met John, um, a couple of other friends from different cycle clubs. Um, and that was it. And it was road road bikes from there. Um, yeah. So that's. So I've got I've got two things to add to that. First of all, I can't believe you've got Swindon in this early in the podcast. Unbelievable. <laughs> all the trash mile, all the trash mile family will appreciate the Swindon chat this early on in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the second one, I haven't really realized how much our parents were really like, uh, played such an instrumental part in our getting into cycling. Cause I remember mm. my mum used to take me in the car down to Penshurst off-road cycling club, which doesn't exist anymore. Unfortunately, it's called, uh, 
I forgot what it's called now. It's this really fancy kind of yoga retreat down in uh, down in the Kent Lanes. Might be called Archive, something like that. Uh, Kingdom. It's called Kingdom. There you go. It's called Kingdom. And uh, back when my mum used to take me there in the depths of winter, it was a sort of downhill dirt junk course, and you could get a pot noodle and two slices of Hovis for a quid. Yeah, uh, nice. And now you're talking about kind of soy flat whites and smashed avo <laughs> on toast for fifteen quid. It's totally different, right? You actually sit, the decking that you sit on out the side is the um, the landing of the huge tabletop jump that used to go past the cafe. Uh, so every time we go, I delight in telling everyone that I used to smash it down there on a downhill bike and they can't believe it whilst they sat there on their you know, fancy, delicate road bikes. But yeah, it's sort of, you know, that's what we did. That's you know, when you were sort of 13, 14, 15, that was just used to, you used to ride around with a shovel sort of on the handlebars with a, mm. a really cheap bottle of Cherryade or Coke from Tesco. And you'd go to the woods and you'd build trails and dirt jumps. That was, you know, there was no other source of entertainment. That was, yeah, that was what we did. And it was great. Absolutely fantastic. Just covered yeah. in mud all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You learn to fall off a, a lot as well when you, uh, yeah, you learn how to crash when you're dirt jumping. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, mine was more trials, so it was more jumping off of walls and things like that and going through the back wheels. But it's a similar idea. We just didn't have that many forests in my... You had to find a... It was all... I don't know if you've been to Swindon at all. I don't know why you would, but it's... um, (laughs) From what I understand, it's a bit kind of sprawling metropolis, kind of Neo-Tokyo environment, right? So, you know, real underground belly of the trials um yeah. you know mountain it's, biking scene right yeah, yeah. you've really yeah. made it sound incredibly glamorous there yeah, yeah it's a bit like blade runner to to a, you know inspirations were taken from blade for blade runner from there i heard yeah, yeah. i'm yeah. sure that you might be the second guest from swindon on the show as well oh no way no. unbelievable it's spreading <laughs> all the legends come from swindon but none of them stay there <laughs> Let's all just the great word of Swindon. Yeah. Is, that, far and is, wide. That, is that like I was born in Swindon but made in the Royal Navy? Is that that kind of thing? That's it. Yeah, it's exactly that. I mean, I spent less time in Swindon than I have done in London, so I don't know if I don't know why I'm so like. Well, if I didn't mention it, everyone everyone would be really upset that I didn't mention that. That's what I'm. From, you're you're so. obsessed with your roots. The best thing about the trials era, though, was definitely the Magura HS22. Yeah, I got some in bright neon yellow. Got those. And if anyone doesn't know what they are, look them up. They were the coolest things ever. You had to have them if you had. Yeah, they were the only ones to 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 run. Hydraulic rim brakes. You had to have a a sort of bridge booster on your forks because they were so powerful that they bend your bend the top of your forks out if you pulled them too hard. (laughs) (laughs) My hands weren't strong enough for that, so I didn't need to worry about it. <laughs> the noise, like the noise, there's a specific noise. You know, you could you could hear them a mile off. And it's just like that was. Yeah. You needed it. I probably I wasn't good enough for anything more than V brakes, but you needed that. Like it wasn't a trials bike if you didn't have those. As far as I was concerned, yeah. they used to they used to grind down the rims and put glue on them as well, didn't they? So that they yeah. yeah, when you pulled those brakes, that wheel would stop dead because it was all about like hopping around on the back wheel and riding mm. along tiny little skinny things that were narrower than your tires. Mm. It's kind of a quite a uniquely British thing, I think. Trials yeah, riding—it doesn't really exist anymore. But I remember going to the 
uh, bike show at the NEC when I was much younger and they had like a trials demonstration thing and these guys could like bunny hop their own height unbelievable yeah it was mm. so good. like they were levitating and you know sort of uh, riding 10 foot up in the air on a, a sort of scaffolding pole and then hopping on the back wheel along different <sighs> pylons to get down to the ground it was pretty yeah. crazy to be honest what's well, wild cool. yeah, you learn a lot of like, skills from that kind of you know growing up like that doing that sort of thing and yeah dirt jump and you know good time yeah i guess to summarize it's just been bikes pretty much since i can remember to be honest i think same for bikes, you ben it's, bikes it's always there yeah. Yeah. yeah how did uh i guess as we're talking about origins how did you two first meet as you briefly mentioned it earlier mm. but it'd be nice it, to know how you how you first met and became friends in yeah. the mecca of london cycling that is regent's park <laughs> hey, hey, come on yeah, was it Wednesday mornings, John, that we used to do? Yeah, start it, was, it was fast laps, wasn't it, on a Wednesday morning, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think that was probably the pariah days, and we'll get on to the pariah days when we start talking about how uh, Trash Mile formed. Yeah. But, yeah, it was basically just you get into that weekly routine of going to the park on certain days of the week, mm-hmm. uh, and then Ben turned up in his, uh, was it BLB bikes? Oh, yeah, BLB everything, Hit. Uh, yeah your fixed kit fixed gear bibs oh my cat's joined us um <laughs> always <fixed> one <laughs> um yeah blb bibs and jersey that was looking back now too big for me um but yeah that was it i didn't know anybody i met i met a friend of ours john on or met uh on instagram and it was kind of yeah went and joined these boys for some laps around Regent's Park. That, Never was, really uh, the days, before, that was the days that, um, yeah, it was just kind of a ramshackle group of people that met up and rode their bikes in Regent's. It was great fun, actually. Uh, ben May was around a lot then as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also known now as TNN Ben. I think you've got him on as a guest <laughs> at some point. But he was yeah, also very instrumental in the forming of Trash Mile, and it would be remiss of us not to mention him on this podcast. Shout out um, Ben May. But I think, yeah, exactly. Shout out Ben May. Uh, Regent's Park is just a kind of, it's such a, I wouldn't say it's not unique because I think Australia's got something similar, New York's got something similar, but every kind of major city has got this one place that for whatever reason just seems to attract cyclists. And that was how I got into the, the road biking. I sort of realised that I missed having a group of people to cycle with. So, mm-hmm. um I started talking to, they were called East London Fix. They don't exist anymore, unfortunately, but a lot of the guys are still around. You might, Owen Blandy's now the chef for EF Education. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. Big he dude. Was, he's, he's the guy that's quite massive. Yeah, he had a good old sprint on him back in the day. Um, yeah. yeah, he was an absolute weapon on a track bike. Back in the kind of Fitzgear crit era of, you know, Red Hook, mm. um, White City crit, Minute crit, that sort of thing, Rad Race. Um, but I remember turning up to Regent's Park on my, yeah, single speed with bullhorn bars, Nike t-shirt and some chino shorts and running shoes. Just absolutely terrified that I was going to be shunned <laughs> forever. Um, and those East London Fix guys were just so friendly. They were so kind of welcoming, inclusive. Um, you know, Owen said to me, well, I'm not from East London and I'm not on a fixed gear. I'm on a road bike. So, you know, if anything, I don't fit in as much as you don't. So oh, that's nice. let's all just ride bikes together. And it was such a kind of, 
I think if they'd have been rude to me, then that probably would have put me off. But the fact that they were so welcoming, it was just kind of like, you know, took me under their wing, brought me into the fold. And then the uh, addiction to cycling starts and you very quickly fall off the wagon and spend all your money on bike parts. (laughs) Well, maybe with that point, we head to a break for section two, learn how you start a trash. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, so, Ben, how did Trash Mile start? So, we said before um, John and I met um, in Regent's Park on a Wednesday, fast laps on a Wednesday morning. Um, we were, or John and uh, various others, including again Ben May, were riding for Pariah Race Team. I believe that's right, isn't it, John? At that yeah, point. that's one. Yeah. Um, and I started riding with these guys. Um, we had quite a lot, or have quite a lot in common. I think our, mine and John's especially background is very um, aligned. And kind of got to a point where, so a bit of, a bit on me as well. I've A lot of my um, history is all kind of creating or starting to create brands and um, kind of community bits for the thing I'm into at the time. So when I was a kid, I had like a kind of skate brand where I used to make stickers and I used to do videos and things like this um, with a couple of mates. Um, And it was just like a bit of a dream of like, you know, we'd, we wanted to basically be, do the things that are that people we were looking up to were doing so yes started doing stickers and skateboards and things like this um mm. then i got really into cars and i started a, a modified car club um which was which was really cool um but again it was all about community so we'd kind of we'd do um events and meets and uh we did merch and things like this so it's kind of been something that i've always um been really keen on on like building um communities and brands and um various things like that so when i met john and the others um i was aware that there wasn't really at that time there wasn't really that many small cycle clubs in london um you had your classic like area cycle clubs you know so islington and hackney and um dynamo yeah yeah but it wasn't like for me it didn't feel that inviting being a newcomer to this to the to the scene it was like you kind of had to buy kit and blah 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 and and it wasn't that um i didn't feel like it was that approachable um so i sort of kind of i started riding with these guys and it's just like i i basically just i'm always coming trying to come up with names for brands and things and um trash mile cycle club was was one of these names uh yeah we used to do a lot of like just riding there wasn't really at that point any training Mm -hmm. we didn't really have structured training plans or anything like that um so these were kind of like it was trash mile came from rides that didn't mean anything you know they they just you went out you did rides and you clocked up miles and you kind of it was all for fun so it was um i started hashtagging trash mile on 
um, Strava posts and things like this. Um, then there was an Instagram that came from that Trash Mile Cycle Club, which was a bit of a weird, like sort of meme account trying to find its way. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> what kind of what kind of memes? Bad well, one, yeah, deep. <laughs> they weren't even that. They weren't even like memes, really. Um, they were just kind of <laughs> a bunch of drawings, and I'd put captions to them. And then if we saw some mad bike on the street. I'd take a photo of it and and post it. And it was a bit, it was just like a hobby thing. It wasn't yeah. anything mm. tied to my name sort of thing. So I think it it sort of, it, it tallied as well, didn't it? With a like a sort of, you know, they're, so Pariah were based up north um, mm-hmm. and they started uh, Pariah North uh, racing team as well. And just that kind of geographical separation, um, there was less time for the sort of prior London team. So we were sort of thinking, oh, well, we could do this. We, mm. could, we could just do something like this. Why not? Let's just design our own kit um, and sort of go from there. I think it helped that uh, Ben May had ties with Rafa, mm-hmm. is how we got into the their custom program. Yeah. Um, sort of quite early on in them starting that. And it all just aligned quite, quite neatly, didn't it, Ben, with this idea of kind of trash, trash mile becoming something sort of in its gestation period and then us sort of moving away from Pariah at the same time and just realizing that there was enough of us as a group of mates that we could just do it ourselves which was a cool realization yeah we were all kind of aligned you know it was like we all wanted something that we could kind of throw everything into and it was um something we could call ours kind of thing um so we started looking at yeah designs that we were going to do with Rafa. Got some templates. It was all very exciting. Um, mm. and had we both John and I had quite a strong vision for how we wanted the kit to look. Um, yeah, and so we were just bouncing off each other, uh, and then John just sent over this. We spoke about. So it, I mean, we could talk about this for the whole podcast, but we spoke about kind of. <laughs> weather reports and like um just mad like old japanese racing car liveries and you know <laughs> sorts of stuff yeah and we're both john and i are very uh, uh we old emo kids so like mm. there was a lot of like metal influence in what we were kind yeah. of what we wanted to do and um and and yeah and then we just kind of or john just sent over this pink pattern and it was like shit right that's it yeah i did it on a lunch break at work (laughs) so yeah and then and then we we basically rallied all of our mates and it was like um trash mile cycle club was kind of one thing and then trash mile race team just was born out of that and and it was just like that's it that's what we're doing we're we now race I was thinking there was probably six of us to start with, maybe. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I was going to ask about. We're going to ask about that actually. Like, obviously, you started as kind of a collective, and NJ and I have talked about this on with other people on other podcasts. But it's a bit of a cycling. You've always been a bit of a loner. I think people who are cyclists are because just this individual pursuit, right? And rightly or wrongly, you do it on your own, and then maybe you you know within your orbit comes somebody else and you see them and then you become friends and then you go hey like 
shit, like let's just do our own thing. And, and then it, it, it progresses, right? It's iterative. But how did, I guess, how did it go from being a, a group of friends riding and obviously you've got quite a distinctive kit. So, you know, and it's a great kit as well, by the way. Um, how did it then kind of develop into a race team? I know you've got some sponsors on board. How did, how did you kind of go from being a group of friends to almost having, you know, professionalizing your, your approach to racing? Yeah, I think it, a lot of it came from us just sort of taking it more seriously ourselves. Um, so yeah, as you said, it started off as a, a group of mates <clears throat> sort of racing. There was no turbos, power meters, anything of like that back then, no sort of training plans. It was just smashing it around Regent's Park three or four times a week and then a long ride at the weekend. Um, mm. But then I think as is just the way of you know, any kind of sport, the more you do it, the more seriously you take it the next thing there is to, to buy to improve your performance. And then it sort of moved away from being just a group of friends and started you know, people that we didn't necessarily know that well would come in. You know, they'd be a friend of a friend. Oh, this person's really strong. We should get them on the team. Um, and then we ended up, you know, where we are sort of now, where I think there's 30 odd people on the racing team. Um, and yeah, as you say, we've now got, we've got sponsors and partners, which is really cool. Uh, yeah. And 24 is looking like our most exciting year yet. Um, we've got some partners on board now who are, we think, equally committed to us as we are to them. Okay. Um, and I think we've got some big things coming in 24. And we're really excited about it as well. And I think now we're sort of coming into our fourth year. Mm. Um, we're sort of established enough it sounds crazy to be saying that but sort of established <laughs> enough that people are actually interested in what we're doing mm. uh, i think we're, we're also trying to really push that you know, inclusivity welcoming you know just come along we'll talk on to, we'll, we'll start talking about um sort of how you join and sort of the social rides a bit later on but like yeah we just want it to be fun you just ride in your bike at the end of the day and it doesn't sort of it doesn't matter if you're cat one and you've been racing for 10 years or if you're you know we had we've got ex-pros that are sort of adjacent to the team or have been on the team in the past which is super cool but then we've also got people that have never raced a day before in their life who are now sort of working their way up through cat four cat three cat two it's just really cool to see to be honest it's sort of amazing that it's that people are so invested in this thing that we started because we didn't have a cycling club that we felt we all belonged to. Yeah. And it's that um, keeping it fun is always like, you know, it's always there. Kind of everything that we, that we do, it's just like, but is it, is it trash? You know, like that there is more seriousness to it, but it's still got to be fun. Cause as soon as you start to lose that, it, it loses like the essence, the essence of trash. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I think, you know, the, 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 when we first started the race team, we started doing, um, Friday morning laps and it was kind of like one of the, one of the first, I'd say like, um, slow, like chat laps in Regent's mm. park, um, on a Friday morning. And we kind of just merged a bunch of people that would ride around Regent's park and they came and, and rode with us on a Friday morning, um, which now kind of turned into coffee club, trash Mile coffee club. Um, so yeah, it's always been that, like, it has to be fun. Whatever we do has to be fun. The kit has to be fun. The events we do have to be fun. 
yeah this so yeah that's sort of where the social club came from and so when we first started we did uh sort of monthly long weekend rides um and they sort of at the height of their popularity they were having sort of 40 50 60 people turn up which was really cool um it's slightly overwhelming for us mm. that that sort of level of people wanting to be involved in it and we suddenly really had to ramp up our like you know oh right okay we can't have 60 people on the road all in one group we're gonna have to split take groups of you know eight to ten people at a time um but i think the the general cycling club landscape has changed during covid there are now you know you go out on a friday morning and at any one time there might be four or five sort of chat lap rides going on in regents park now yeah. So we've sort of naturally tailed off a bit from the, the social club stuff, not not because we want to, but because there are other cycling clubs out there who we think do those sort of social rides better than we do. Because um, a lot of the members of the club are also in the team and they're focusing on their racing. And, you know, a lot of them disappear to their pain caves in winter and sit on the turbo. <laughs> and just sort of sweat it out until February, March time and start racing again. And that's, that's totally fine. That's, that's as legit as the people that want to go out and do 200 K in three degrees in Essex. You know, it's all riding your bike at the end of the day. It just depends what you want to get out of it. But we, we seem to have moved more towards that sort of racing side of things, but the Friday mornings are still kind of sacred gospel that we will keep our Friday mornings in Regent's park nothing above 200 watts you do 45 mm. minutes of cycling and then you get at least two coffees afterwards just proper kind of um old school social cycling uh and it's absolutely fantastic and it's such an energizing way to start a friday yeah we always say our like kind of tagline and i'm gonna screw this up but it's uh, it's like it's <laughs> a great end to a week of training or a great start to a weekend of riding like it's you know if you, you train That's a great. week give yourself like a Friday morning to come and have a coffee and a chat with your mates. Like, cause otherwise it gets really lonely, <laughs> especially, you know, this time of year, no one's really got, I mean, some people are going out and doing big rides, but other than that, you don't really get to speak to your mates that, that much that are cycling yeah. other than on WhatsApp. So it's, it's just one of those things. And like, we've still got people turning up who they wouldn't come to anything else that we do. Um, you know, it's, they, they, they turn up and they just want to roll around with with us on a Friday morning and that's cool. Um, it's, and it's Yeah, we find quite a few people that come to the Friday morning laps. They're people who have, you know, they've, they've maybe been part of a cycling club in the past and they've just moved to London and they're looking for someone to ride with. Um, or, you know, they, they used to race um, and they used to be really into it and they've kind of, you know, for whatever reason, they've sort of dropped off a bit from that intensity, but they still want to ride with people who, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's sort of like a stepping stone to getting back into riding quickly. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and it's, but it, we also have people that just want to ride their bike and like, they're not interested in racing at all. They're not interested in going fast. They just want to turn up, you know, ride with some people on a Friday morning and then go for a coffee. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. It's one of my sort of favorite bits of the yeah. week, I'd say. Friday I mean, I mean, speaking of which, right, so it sounds like the social club element, it's Friday mornings at Regents, but what about the, the sort of racing side? Is there a, a preferred level people have to be and how would someone, so for example, I want to start racing for trash, how would I, um, how would I go about that? 
So we have quite a, what we like to think of as quite a sort of democratic process to get into the team. There's, there's a fundamental reality to the, the size of the team. There's a kind of peak number of people. You know, we're only a, a small group of people that have never done this before. It's not our job. Um, mm. you know, we've all got full-time jobs on the side. So, so it's worth acknowledging that there is a reality to how many people we can manage on the team. It's a lot of admin. <laughs> um, which is great and we do, we do it because we love it but it's a lot of admin and I think you know, a lot of people don't see that um, mm. but it's constant you know every minute of every day there's whatsapp group chats about where are we getting these helmets from have you done the updated kit design uh, are we affiliated with BC again for this year you know there's a there's a mm. lot of stuff so there's we had to we had to put a process in place once we became sort of big enough that that was becoming an issue so you know generally it's the level that you join that is sort of irrelevant um we we like to have a spread of people across different abilities um Mm -hmm. it's more about the attitude that that one brings it's if you want to join the race team it's because you want to race your bike so we have a kind of minimum race quota and we encourage people to actively train race get involved in team group rides and generally the the intention is sort of turn up um do a couple of rides with us or if it's in the middle of the season come and do some races that we're also at uh, and come and chat to us before and after um and then we have someone who vouches for uh someone joining and then we have a seconder um and those people you know generally what we'll do is we'll go for a lap session with that person, talk to them about what the team is, what our ethos is, what we want to see from someone joining the team, their sort of commitment back to trash. Um, and yeah, that's sort of where we go from from there, really. Yeah, and you kind of, it's one of those things where like, you know, if you don't want to race for trash, trash is, mm. is the wrong team. Like we want people to want to race for Trash Mile, not just Trash mm. Mile is a race team, I want to race let's race for trash because it's not the right you know that brings the wrong kind of atmosphere to, the, to our like yeah it's almost like you know you love putting trash mile kit kit on like you you know that's what you love doing and that's why you want to race for trash mile it's not because of like anything else it's like you know yeah. trash mile is the team i, I want to race for um which is why the people that are in the race team are like it's corny, but it's a family, you know, and it's like we have built this community. Um, yeah, and that's what it's always been about is like a really great community, like tight knit. Um, yeah, like turning up to a race day with like four or five teammates, especially on days when there are like men's and women's races all on yeah. at the same on the same day, which actually, you know, we, we won't get into this in this podcast, but it doesn't happen enough. <laughs> but, you know, on those rare days where, you've got like a women's race, then you've got a three, four, a two, three, and then sort of a E one, two. Now you can get pretty much everyone from the whole team to one of those races if you organize it far enough in advance. And that is like, it's such a cool, you know, all piling onto the train with your bikes um, and like everyone supporting each other. Um, it's just, it's so, it's such a great atmosphere. Uh, and I think you know, we're in a really good place. We've got some really cool people on the team. I mean, everyone on the team is great. And yeah, it's just fantastic, really. That's yeah, good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like Cam needs to find someone to vouch for him. Yeah. 
Mate, I ke- I dragged Harriet Kefford around. Shout out Harriet Kefford. I dragged her around the Isle of Wight. <laughs> So she, she dropped all of us. She dropped all of us. Yeah. She, so we we got to the Isle of Wight and she started doing three hundred watts, and I was just on the back like, "It's going to be a long day, and I can't I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm going to." Yeah, there was no team discussion of how we were going to going to ride, and it was just like, I think Harriet just come off like multiple crits, so it was just like it was a hard day for all of us. Yeah, so I've, I've had I've had a couple of uh, sort of huge group rides that, that Harriet's come along as well, and there's always supposed to be sort of more than one woman on the group ride but it always ends up just being harriet and like 29 other guys on bikes and she's just always dishing out the pain so shout, shout out harriet kefford yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you you've just mentioned that the club's growing um with that uh, you'll have i guess more riders within the club how how do you implement safeguarding ben so we um we started a committee for the race team uh, last year or the year before, um, which kind of handle all of the admin, many, many of the admins that we spoke about. Um, in that committee, we've got, so we, we we take any grievances to the committee members and in that we've got a welfare officer um, and Great. we kind of, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen very often when there's, you know, there's, there's problems. Um, like I said, we all kind of, we are, we're all very close. So we can usually, you know, we figure it out amongst ourselves, but, but we do have a welfare officer um, mm-hmm. who, who will kind of break it up if it, if it comes to it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, luckily we've not really got to that. We've not had to really, um, other than no, but yeah. I think it's important to know, right? Yeah, like yeah, you, like you yeah. said, mate, and I think it's like they have it. Whereas, what what pro team is I have it? NJ is it? Um, is it Ineos? They've got a no dickheads policy. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were going to say something about DSM then. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! I don't want to commit slander on this podcast because this bit will go out. <laughs> but I think that's important. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it's hundred percent. We've got nearly thirty people on the team. You know, they mm. it can happen. You know, people can get annoyed at, um, at all sorts of things. So you have to have that in place just in case. Um, and also, most of the stuff we do is all over WhatsApp, and it's such a it, you know it's such a risky platform. <laughs> you know, <laughs> say something, and it just and it just doesn't come off cross right so there's always an op like a possibility for someone to get upset like i said luckily it doesn't really happen um and if it did we'd kind of we'd squash it we've got i think the the committee was a a really important thing to start and you know any kind of minor disagreements or grievances that people have had we've always been able to deal with them sort of amicably and as a group of adults mm-hmm. um which is sort of, you know, at the end of the day, it's supposed to be fun. This isn't a, this isn't a second full-time job. It's supposed to be it is. hanging out with your mates and riding your bikes. So yeah. we've, we've never had a situation that we haven't been able to, to manage internally. Um, and, it, you know, generally it's, it's misunderstandings or miscommunications. And actually you just meet someone in real life mm. and say, look, you know, let's talk about this it's all about that communication um 
same with you know, any kind of grievance or falling out you know and it happens it happens because you're especially when you're kind of you've got a lot of passionate people all mm. in one race team you know there's emotions run high on race days you know it's it's just one of these things that happens and it's it's a reality of running any kind of social thing you're going to have fallings out every now and then but you know, we we feel like we've got quite a good um process and i guess yeah from a safeguarding point of view we unfortunately can't accept anyone under the age of 18 at the moment because mm-hmm. it comes with all kinds of uh, bc stipulations about um you know safeguarding training and you have to have specific insurances and we're just not operating in that world yeah. at the moment unfortunately mm-hmm. so although we'd love to develop young riders because you know, the kids out there these days are absolutely nailed on the bike <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times I've been dropped in crits by a junior on junior gears or, you know, lapped at a cross race by a 14-year-old on a bike that's older than them. Yeah. But, you know, unfortunately, the reality of it is we can't at the moment. So it's uh, all adults only. And as such, we, we managed to deal with it as adults. So maybe speaking of which, future. Are there, mm. I know you've got, I know you talked about some big things for 2024. And I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to scoop anybody's news. But um, could you give us some like high level, maybe maybe what's in the pipeline? So we've done the last couple of years. We've done a, a race called Summer Slam. That's a crit yep. race. Last two years has been at Lee Valley. Um, we aim to build on that every year. I think, as obviously, we want it to be better for everybody every year. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been massively targeted at bringing communities together. And by that, I mean kind of the race community and the non-race community. There's never an opportunity, well, there's very few opportunities for everybody to get together. Now, even the non-cycling community as well, because Lee Valley has got good footfall. The amount of people that turn up to SummerSlam and go, oh, what's happening here? What's going on here? Yeah, who aren't cyclists and don't understand it at all, but stay and watch. Yeah, you know, at least one race, maybe two. Stay for the whole day. Yeah, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, so our, our SummerSlam is a day event. It's kind of from twelve o'clock till five, really. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been the first year was unreal, like exceeded <laughs> all our expectations to a point where we kind of didn't know really what to do with. <laughs> with that um the difficult second album (laughs) yeah so yeah so bigger and bigger and better for SummerSlam 24 is the first thing I'm really excited about obviously I mean lessons learned from every SummerSlam that's come previously I think Ben just before you move on quickly um and I can't remember exactly what the stat is but it's something like the first SummerSlam we had the biggest non-professional uh sort of women's lineup of any race in the UK. That's amazing. I, I think that's true to say. Someone might correct me on Jeez, that. We'll go with it. We'll go with it. Yeah. yeah I, think we had like, I think it was like 50, 50 women signed up to that race. Incredible. Um, it was, you know, we just haven't seen that in a crit. Um, I mean, especially for like women cycling, especially for women cycling mm-hmm. when it's like, you know, they can't, sometimes they can't even field individual races. So if you're cat one, and you're cat four and you've just started racing. Sometimes you end up doing the same event, like three, four people, four women might turn up to an event. So having 50 turn up to your yeah. event is incredible. 
Yeah, yeah. and the amount of races, women's races I've seen where there's like four or five women racing it, and therefore they don't even get full BC points for the same level of effort. It's you know, it's it's a shame. But yeah, we were we were so proud of that. Mm. Um, and it was the same again. It was the same again um, this year. You know, just gone. I think we had some calendar clashes this year. There was mm. a lot more racing on in 23 yeah. than there was in 22. Mm. Um, so there were some pretty big races on at the same weekend. So we had a, and it was raining, whereas the first year it was kind yeah. of glorious sunshine all day. Yes. So, you know, there was a couple of things that were sort of out of our control. Um, but, you know, it was still a great weekend. I think the first one was just such a unexpected success mm. that we were so proud of. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the number of people that, Sort of came and told us that it was you know, their favorite race that they'd done that year and it was really touching really really touching um and that was that's the whole point of it you know, just to sort of be a fun day you know over in usa they have usa crits and you have people standing there with uh rims and sticks and sort of beer <laughs> hand ups you know yeah. we just wanted to bring some of that yeah. kind of party atmosphere to racing in the uk because it can be a bit you know you, you go and stand by the side of a track shivering whilst you're waiting yeah. for your race to start you race, then you get on a train and go back home. So yeah. we just wanted to try and use that, the fact that we're in central London and we've got that opportunity to have an accessible mm. race for people to come and spectate. Yeah, that was as much of it. It's trying to bring that atmosphere to the racing scene in the UK. And all of our sponsors were like super generous. Like, you know, they kind of, it was just amazing to see everybody come together and be like as excited about this thing as we were, you know. Um, last year, one of my neighbors turned up. He was like, saw me, saw me piling beers into the, uh, into the car. And he was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I've got a, we're putting on a, a race at Lee Valley and, and he rode down with his kids. Um, yeah. So it's just that kind of thing, you know, seeing That's just it. people turn up that you're like, wow, like, you know, you're here and you don't need to be, but you're here cause you want to be in that's really lovely. Yeah. Like that. And, and our partners, our, our sort of sponsors and partners allowed us to do some cool stuff as well. Like it's not, we didn't want it to all just be about who's the first person across the line. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we had like kind of most trashy bike award and kind of, um, you know, I remember the first year there was this uh, really young guy that did both of the men's races um and just like absolutely threw himself into it you know bike with mismatched wheels baggy kit uh and he just went out there and full send in both of these races so we gave him a little package it was just like a sort of you know best attitude award i love that um yeah, you know, giving great. prizes to anyone that crashes just to kind of like soften not to encourage them did include include some uh first, first aid from park um yeah which are quite good but yeah, it's, yeah. but just like yeah to, trying to encourage people to turn up and have fun really and it's not all about who's got the highest ftp or the most aero bike um or who can afford to have a coach that makes them faster than everyone else you know we just wanted to try and make it like just a super fun day for mm. everyone involved yeah that sounds amazing mm. Before we end this section, there's, there's there's one question we have to ask you. When uh, when we were setting up this podcast, yeah, Ben sent us a picture of the two of you. Uh, <laughs> Thoughts? Which, uh, we'll put on screen for any you know video viewers. Uh, yeah. Do you guys want to explain the picture to the audio listeners? Uh, and 
So we, yeah, we had a <laughs> we had an end of season uh, or end of my season event a few weekends ago, which was a double a double hill climb event in uh, in Kent, um, and we rode there. So it's a yeah, we both John and I are in East London, so it's a long ride out to Kent anyway. Um, mm. We've got big, heavy backpacks on because we didn't really know what we were doing. <laughs> Quite happy to to say. Um, and so first first one, we both sent it. I think we burnt all our matches in that first hill climb. Um, honestly, the most incredible uh, atmosphere I've, I think I've ever, like, experienced yeah. in a race. Um, what was the hill? To, uh, uh, it was it was York's Hill yeah. and Ooh, White Lane. Yeah, I know yeah, White Lane. And it was like it was like a sixty-five k ride out there. Yeah, um, two and a half with a back with a backpack on. Uh, but yeah, it was it was. A, I mean, we should probably shout out our frenemies here, uh, Albion yeah. Racing. <laughs> they they called us out, and we did a kind of um, cycling hill climb ashes. They won <laughs> it this year, but we're going to take it back off them next year. so if you get any of the albion lot on you can tell them we said that yeah (laughs) so yeah so we finished the first um the first climb i think john went before me um and then i finished and uh, we rode back round to kind of you know where all the bikes were saw john sat on the floor so i went i had to i needed to get off my feet i get i get quite bad cramp i suffer with cramp um Mm. and needed to get off my feet and elevate my feet so naturally that's what i ele- lay on the floor elevated my feet and then someone sure. probably the, one of the guys from albion probably <laughs> it was indeed one of the guys from take, albion. taking advantage of that situation you're vulnerable in our oh, weakest right. moment they snapped yeah. that uh glorious <laughs> picture of us but i mean let's let's not be around the bush it looks like ben's just given birth to me so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slightly odd one yeah i mean like, it was you can see the smile on her like you know it's it was a happy it was a very good day i've not been the same since but it was uh shat like props to the guys that do the full season of hill climbs because that was brutal um catford and beck ccs i believe yeah, yeah, that was that good. Was good. But, but yeah, that was that's that's the story behind that. Really, kind of two broken thirty-something-year-old men. Uh, <laughs> you should know better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and to to get through this pain that we were feeling. Um, yeah, I I remember going up York's Hill, not really knowing the the the. the, the the delight that you get at the top of it of what is it what 25 percent? so yeah, i, I thought really center at the bottom and then i was just like max heart rate halfway up and it was, seemed to be like getting steeper and steeper and then go i don't know when you did it but when i did it, it was like in autumn so it was that's like pretty much like mud everywhere and back wheel slipping and it was just like the worst experience of my life yeah you have to sit down if you stand up you're just your back wheel will slip under power so yeah you have to sit down the whole way up <laughs> It's like Swain's Lane on steroids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we did. So a couple, a couple of weekends before, we did a, did some Swain's efforts just to try and I don't know what we were thinking. Like you know, oh yeah, we'll do one Swain's effort and we'll be we'll be ready for <laughs> double hill climb. But um, but yeah, like John said, it's like a sixty-five-ish seventy k ride out to there. And it's not flat, is it? 
You pretty much did Hell of the Ashdowns, didn't you? Yeah, the Albion were breaking us from the start. Like they they just rolled in from Crystal Palace, and you know it was like we've just done forty k or something already. Um, and on the start line, before we'd even started going, I was getting cramp in my legs. So the first hundred meters of that, I was I was cramping. So it's just like this is I'm not. It's not this happening. Isn't yeah, but fought through it, got up the climb, and then cramps at the top so I was like, that's all right <laughs> i can live with that but do you know what? if you've never done a hill climb if you've never done a competitive hill climb again it's another one of those curiously british uh cycling niches but go and have a go because they are it's a unique form of torture but they are really good fun and you know there was people lining the uh both sides of the road cowbells you know it's the closest you'll come to feeling like a pro riding up fonte yeah it's very, very cool. Definitely. Well, with that in mind, maybe let's head to the Q&A. Welcome back, everyone. We are into the, the quick Q&A, but sometimes it ain't that quick. So first up, lads, what is more pro, Richmond or Regents? I think I know what the answer is, but Regents. Put our misery. Definitely, definitely Regents. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this today. Actually, um, Regents is like Regents is like London Pro. You, you, there's nothing that beats Regents. However, if you're really thinking about it, Richmond realistically is better. I mean, it's, a, it's got a little bit more going for it in Richmond, but Regents is like where everything was born. And, so. uh, I'm going I'm to ask a quick question. Have you two ever worn a skin suit to Regents for hot, hot laps? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> but only because I was racing in the evening. Not trying to... Well, so you wore the skin suit underneath your suit all day. Is that what you're saying? Ben in a suit. He's a hipster picture frame. Eh? He doesn't, probably doesn't even own a suit. <laughs> Hey, less of that. In suit and aero socks to Friday, Wednesday morning laps. And then uh, actually we didn't even end up racing because it chucked it down. That was, you know, me and John were supposed to race and we didn't end up doing it. So it's just skin suit laps. Was, uh, Fair. In the spirit of you asking that question, yes, I have worn a skin suit specifically to go to fast laps before. No shame. <laughs> This is this is this it's is a, a road suit. It's got pockets on it, mm, so this, it's all good. This is a this is a skin suit friendly podcast. We we that's the if we ever do any kit, which work in progress, uh, the first thing we will be doing is or, or only be doing is skin suits. <laughs> it's a safe space for skin suits. <laughs> hey, if they've got pockets, there's no reason not to wear one of those. Um, yeah. More know, sustainable. I'll, I'll, that's what we'll go yeah. with. More sustainable. Our last yeah. piece, we had the classic three pockets on the back, so it's just the same as wearing a jersey. Yeah. So when you're but when you're aero. when you're padding around in your skin suits, where are you? Uh, favorite cycling cafe? Where are you? Where are you going? Uh, so Via in Cold Drops Yard um, is where we end our Friday morning laps. Um, I mean, it's just got some. They've got some mad stuff in there. You know, they've got the Lotus uh, mm. sort of Boardman trap bike at the moment. They've got the recent Hope uh, Lotus collaboration trap bike. Shout they've out, Nick. some absolutely crazy stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. shout out, Nick. 
um, and all the other people that work there as well. And yeah. so it's just and a time. great little, great little space. And, you know, especially in winter when it's cold, mm. you can get 50, 60 bikes in there. So even if more than one group ride ends at Via, you know, there's always space for everyone. I mean, they've also got standard in there, and I've got a very soft spot for standards. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. this, again, yeah, this is a standard as well. This is a standard safe podcast too. I'm just going to get that. Bros. <laughs> um, so yeah, I always like going in there and seeing the latest standards that they've got on display. Yeah. So, and also we 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 um, have done a few rides with the guys from Standard. So Tom mm. and Isaac come over, and when they come over, sort of Via is our base um nice so yeah. it's cool it's cool no, it's right. a cool little space to have so yeah we're we're very happy that they opened and are very accommodating um and then also long and short in walthamstow they kind of started our um they were almost like our clubhouse when we were doing group rides out to essex so big shout out to long and short because uh they're great and their coffee unreal probably some of the best coffee i've ever tasted so big shout out to long and short yeah nice. jeremy's a cool guy as well the guy that runs it super Thank friendly um, yeah. just really wants to have a chat so yeah is nice that the guy. one next to what the station you're yeah, next to st james street station in um i've in been Crate. there yeah i went there before i got married it's brilliant yeah amazing brownies are banging they don't make them but they they sell them they're, they're banging <laughs> and uh and the coffee honestly like incredible what and they do this? beer as well. So if you get oh, back from your ride and you want to have a beer, you can have a beer there too. Yeah. Okay, it's for everyone. Uh, yeah. what, what what are the coffee orders? Oat flat white. It depends where you are. Yeah. Sorry, you just Do you drink oat okay. flat white? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oat flat white is the standard. Uh, yeah. Um, talking of, we've, we've spoken about quickly of like your cafe likes, but what are your cycling dislikes? What, what riles you up? Great segue. <laughs> <laughs> uh 12 speed group sets controversial but i don't think mm. anyone needs that extra single gear really we're all just caught up in the cycle uh disc brakes even Ooh. though i've got disc brakes on two of my bikes <laughs> uh what else i mean the rim brake ones work fine as well needlessly complicated systems so bikes that have got yeah. like integrated cabling I'm stopping. it's got got like four spaces that all split in different ways and your hoses kink all that sort of stuff no thank you uh ben you got any <laughs> i can keep going i mean i'm just happy listening to you i'm not that opinionated on these i'm like you do you do you i'm not there's certain things i'm not going to see on my bike but um yeah i mean colorful colorful bar tape fuck, absolutely no for me apart from white or black um, yeah, white's pro. It's not in big mental. budget. I got some white. I got some white bar tape on at the moment, and it's just just and, me. And how's that gone for you, Ben? Yeah, <laughs> embarrassing. Um, do you know what the thing that really gets me? And this is a, this is a fairly new thing. Is the cycling tan lines? That's like that's not a flex for me. I've I, lockdown Ooh. killed. Like Ooh. honestly, this is for me. I'm like I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm not trying to keep these tan lines alive. I'm trying to get rid. I have ruined my legs in lockdown by the cultivating of tan lines. And I'm like, every time I go on holiday, I'm like, this is not cool. So things like that, cult cultivating tan lines, absolutely no for are we, me. Are we fake tanning them away? 
no, no, in the, in the interim. Bad. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a bad shout. And wife's got enough egg time. Um, <laughs> I've got a I've got one to add to that, Ben. Actually, um, yeah. and this is something that it's a real. I'm really torn about this one because it looks much better when you're on the bike, but it looks terrible when you're not on the bike. Shave legs. I mean, <laughs> no, they, when you in in summer, not when that. you're wearing normal no no on bike i fully rate shave legs but when you're wearing normal clothes and you've got absolutely hairless legs it's quite a weird look and everyone looks at you so i i disagree with you there but that's you know that's it that's fine you can have that that's that's fine this one about uh, another one cafe stops mid-ride no one needs that unless it's like a 200k ride Cafe stops mid-ride. It's not for me. I'd rather get back, get a coffee and me. See you later. Go home. I'm. I feel the same. <laughs> I feel that. I feel the same way. I've. I've now got a small child. I. I. Yeah. I'm. I'm not really into the. It's not to say I'm not. I'm not like. I don't spend time on my bike, but I'm not like a. Let's go out for a ride, yeah. have a little coffee. Unless I will caveat that. Unless it's it's a specific coffee ride. And sometimes I do that with my yeah, mate right. Cam. Shout out Canadian Cam. Uh, it's a, sometimes it's, it's like the three-stop strategy. So it's 60K, three coffees. But I know what I'm getting myself in for. Right, okay. Yeah, and, that's fair. So yeah. the, the opposite of that is the no-faff club, where you have to, oh, yeah. you, you've got to try and keep the gap between the elapsed time and the moving time as small as is physically possible. But those rides are proper antisocial. Like you don't say hello when you get there. You don't say goodbye when you leave. It's just a proper no faff. In and out. In and out, yeah. So that sort of depths of winter rides. Sorry about that. End of a ride. Absolutely. Go on. Go on. End of a ride. Absolutely. Stop for a coffee, whatever, beer, whatever. But mid ride, I'm I'm not there for it. So speaking of perhaps controversial uh, hot takes, as well as being a, a skin suit and aerosock, you know, welcoming place, this podcast, uh, we're also advocates for the white bib shorts. Uh, you know, I think the first time I met you, John, I was actually wearing white bib shorts. Yes, you were. <laughs> so th- thoughts? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you are Matthew van der Poel or Remco Evenepoel, then Remco's overrated. Fill your boots. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to get into that. But um, yeah, I think if you are one of those people and you can have a new pair of white bib shorts every single time you wear them, then absolutely fill your boots. The other thing I would say is uh, white kit in a cyclocross race. Very cool. Right. Um, if it ends up covered in mud at the end of it, then you've absolutely nailed that. Anyone that wears white shoes, white socks, white kit in the cyclocross race is absolutely killing it as far as I'm concerned. We're not advocating fast fashion or anything, but um, yeah, the first ride, suplex. Anything after that, chuck them in the bin. Not having it. Or use them on the turbo. You know- it, it depends where they're from as well. You know, it depends if like, if they're like team kit or I don't know, you're a champ banging, like absolutely love it. If they're from, I don't know, you bought them in some sale on an AliExpress. On, yeah. yeah. Can you buy yeah. 
Alibaba camp. That's fine. <laughs> Fake news. Yeah, don't mind. Don't mind some AliExpress, but yeah, I'm not sure about. So oh. here we go. Why don't we say this? I think you have to earn your white bibs. It's like the rainbow mm. stripes. Smart. You, you can't. You don't get them unless you've earned them. How would you earn them in uh, for Regents? How would you earn wearing white bibs? KOM. Only the person with the K- <laughs> or the QOM is allowed to allowed to wear white bibs. We've gone from white bibs now on to on kits. Oh, from the London scene, is there any kits that I guess stand out that apart from your own you think look quite nice? And then from a I guess historical point of view, is there any kits through cycling that I guess inspire you, um, which you could still rep today? I mean, let's be honest, we're basically a rip-off of EF. So <laughs> the, a challenge not to uh mention those guys. Although yeah. we do think there might have been uh, a sort of genuine reverse influence on one of their sort of later kits because you know we had that tie with uh owen blandy we do know that there is actually a trash mask sticker under the hand dryer in the toilets of the ef uh headquarters so Not blaming they know who we are <laughs> so some sort of guerrilla influence there um yeah naturally there's a, there's a team yeah. Sorry. There's a there's a team called uh, BTC who unfortunately I don't think they even really exist anymore, hmm. um, but their kit was super beautiful. Um, we sort of were good friends with the guy who sort of set that up and run it, and he designed the kit himself. And it was all based on um, sort of an old Chinese form of painting uh, and just the story behind it. And I remember seeing the kind of pitch deck that he put together and the the sort of thought process that went behind it. It was so meticulous. So I'm really rated that kit. Um, ben, I don't know if you've got yeah, any others. You I mean, you know, we didn't, them. we didn't really take, well, I, for, from my point of view, it wasn't really taking a lot of influence from cycling kits. You know, it's like mm. we obviously EF, we loved everything the EF were doing. So it was naturally, we kind of took like hints of that. Um, but it was all from, you know, from where John and I have come from, you know, like band t-shirts and um, like, yeah, like car um, decals and, and livery and um, yeah. So it was almost like we kind of pulled influences from all over the place, but tried to stay away from the cycling kit. To be honest, one of the reasons that we started Trash Mart is because we couldn't find anybody that we liked their kit. So yeah. it was like, who do we race for? well there's not that much decent kit out there so let's do it ourselves like that was really kind of where one of the reasons we started trash mile um but yeah like now you, you see all sorts of awesome kit like our, our our good friend friends at standard their kit like awesome super simple yeah um, love everything that they do um so we you know there's there's might be something coming out from trash mile very soon um and mm, there's your scoop yeah <laughs> <laughs> from those you know those people who are influencing i i feel the cycling industry and kind of 100%. especially the communities and um and yeah, yeah i think it was like trying to bring some of that like I've recently been rewatching old BMX edits on YouTube and it's like getting me as pumped about 
going riding as watching like rewatching a stage of the Tour de France. You know, it's all riding bikes, and it's totally it's a totally different way of doing it. But the bike handling and the, the sort of flow that they bring to to riding a bike, and just that kind of bringing some of those outside influences in, like you know, nineties British touring cars and mm. you know, Thrasher magazine, and like Ben said, band t shirts, death metal logos, just kind mm. of really tattoo culture, just bringing everything into that. Kind yeah. of people said also said that the um the jersey looked like lady gaga's meat dress <laughs> wasn't so, influence, but it. you know we'll, oh we'll take that one as well so, influenced oh. by lady gaga and her bacon dress. Oh. that's going on the socials yeah, also, yeah. they um Big shout out to the intermarshy wanty circus kit as well i think all cycling kits should have more fluoro yellow on it do you know i saw there's a great um, tweet that they put out and they said that our team kit has more sponsors on it than Liz Truss spent in office. Nice. I mean, <laughs> fantastic. Nice. But all those Euro kits are fantastic. You know, the sort yeah. of Conti pro Conti teams where just to survive, they've got all those logos on their kit. And it's such a kind of, you know, cycling is a hard sport. It is hard ground. Yeah. So every one of those sponsors is hard ones. So displaying them on the jersey almost is like a kind of, you know, Bardiani's kit. And just those, um, what's the other one? The purple one. It's like Aubergine Cars. It's Corotec. Yeah. Um, and I love all of those kits. They're so much more adventurous than the protein kits, which are just all blue. Um, <laughs> yeah. Actually, quite rate the, the Lidl Trek kit recently because yeah. at least they did something different yeah. um unlike uno x and you know, a slightly controversial one i know but i think it's pretty cool yeah taking it back also looking at all of the old classic kits that we used to watch like yeah in in armstrong's days <laughs> you know yeah. like they they were all just so interesting like this the, and it's just, just such a shame that that isn't around as much anymore yeah you know? I've, I've got a credit I mean, let's all just I've got a credit agriculture as you back there. And I think I said it on our intro podcast, but um, I got my mum to make me a credit agriculture t-shirt. Right. And I thought it was great. And then, um, (laughs) no, 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 it's not cool because when I then started working in the city, I realized that I was displaying the logo of France's fourth biggest commercial bank. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that sort of like one of the best things about cycling? It's like you go to sort of continental Europe and all of these logos that you only really know of because you hear yeah. the commentators talking about them. It's just a normal shop out there or a supermarket or a bank or, you know, something like that. Yeah. I, we, I we only hear it in cycling. Yeah, we just fit some new flooring in the in the shop and it's quick step. So it's quick step. Amazing. All over my all over the shop and it's just like, Oh shit! Yeah, that's not just a, a race spot, a team sponsor. You know that, yeah. And it means not that means nothing to anyone that's not a cyclist. And they just <laughs> cannot understand why anyone would be excited yeah. about that. Taking photos oh, of yeah, it. Florian brand. What Bora hands grow? Yeah, they make showers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just can't get excited about it at all. <laughs> so this is this is a mainly NJ and I are a big fan of the classics. I'd say, uh, and we always ask this, and we're. We kind of said it to a lot of people over WhatsApp and we said it to you guys about Pints and Pave, our event to close off the podcast on the last weekend of March, the Tour of Flanders weekend. So we'll ask this, what are you guys, are you cobbles, mountains, 
maybe riding and viewing what's uh what's your view there oh, it's such a difficult one that isn't it because it's they're both so exciting in their own way i think uh if it's you know if you're kind of deep in the pain cave on the turbo and you're watching the last hour of a tour stage then there is nothing better than a real sort of close finish up a mountain stage mm-hmm. um to sort of keep up that momentum but also at the same time i mean paris roubaix is just absolutely insane yeah. isn't it yeah for me like riding mountains easy no question about it watching people on cobbles is another like it doesn't for me it doesn't compete i love watching the mountain stages i think they're great and you can really see how powerful people are but cobble watching people smash over cobbles is for me is just like this bonkers i would not want to do that i'd love i love watching people do it i don't want to do it just it. it looks inherently wrong doesn't it to be yeah. riding a road bike on the sort of stuff that they're riding yeah. them over but fair play to them i mean when oh, christopher yeah. Quartz wheel exploded a couple of years back and he managed to hold it upright <laughs> unbelievable Incredible. there's so much pain in, in in their faces when they're on the cobbles and it's i don't feel like there's quite as much pain on the mountains you know so or oh, I'm not sure. I might disagree with you, yeah, but I know, like, I'll, take, I'll take your point. <laughs> you really look at it, like, you know, there's not the same amount of pain on someone on a mountain stage, at least not the people who, who are on TV, because they're kind of, that's what, that's what they're good at, whereas everybody's yeah. on the cobbles, and it's like, no one's enjoying that. There's a, that's that's true. I also think there's something quite exciting about the classics because the tour, obviously the tour is its own thing and team tactics comes into it. And there is a bit of kind of, you know, the team with the biggest budget wins or, you know, you get into these super teams, whereas the, the classics is just a kind of really bloody hard race and everyone is suffering and the strongest person on the day is the winner or the person that can sort of float over the cobbles. Um, yeah, I mean, luckily we don't have to choose, do we? Because we can watch all of them <laughs> for now. <laughs> well, yeah, RIP uh, GCM Plus. GCM Plus. <laughs> well, ah, whilst we're talking about RIPs, just to go back to the kit question uh, quickly, can we just do a quick? Um, yeah, we can edit this. Of RIP for the mm. brown bib shorts, fresh off the uh, press, isn't it? Mm-hmm. such a shame what have they done that was like part of their no the more campy no more brown bib shorts i mean mm-hmm. it's a sad day for pro cycling i still stand by though everybody nobody ever really liked the, the brown until like this year i remember sitting with a bunch of guys in our in my living room being like that those brown shorts i rate them and most people were like brown oh, oh, gross As, yeah People's opinions have changed in the last year, and I stand it's by. As normal, as normal. Yeah, well, certain. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Guy- sad day, sad day, yeah, sad day. Well, guys, thank you both so much for being on our podcast. Um, it's been really getting really great to uh, get to know you both a lot better. We'll hopefully see you at Pints and Pave end of March. Before we go, where yeah. can people find you? What's, uh, what's next for Trash Bomb? So Instagram, obviously, uh, at Trash underscore RT for the race team and Trash Mile dot Cycle Club uh, for the Cycle Club. 
that's where we'll post all of our um, sort of stories and things about rides that we're doing and races that we've done and are or doing. There's also a Strava page um, for the Cycle Club, and we will put up any rides that we're doing on there. Uh, we don't have a website because our, we were told very early on that Instagram reaches much more people and yep. uh, requires much less maintenance. So, <laughs> Say that. I don't do any of the socials, so uh, I can sit here and uh, <laughs> I can hit and sit, sit here and say it doesn't take any work. Yeah, it's easy Instagram. Easy Instagram's easy. It's effortless. You get loads from it. Love it. <laughs> well, you love it. Well, Ben, John, thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you very much, yeah, guys. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you very Bye. much. Thanks for having us. Bye.